Welcome to another conversation. Like, you'll just sign yourself up for something ridiculous just for the sake of it. I'm not wrong, am I? Uh, you're not wrong, no. It's you like only you live know. once. YOLO. Oh, please stop. I think a leadership insight from Jesus there. He, he was the last to leave out of well, 15,000 people. Because you think of a celebrity, they come in when everyone's seated, wowing the crowds, mm. and then they're the first to leave, quick exit before they get mobbed. Jesus was always the first one there, and that's the last one there, because he is the first and the last. I think if it doesn't push us out of the norm, and we can do it in our own strength, then I don't think that, that, that we're thinking big enough. Welcome to another conversation where we are exploring the more that God has put in you and what that more is for. And so we're going to head into another conversation today where hopefully you'll get to unpack a little bit more about who that more is, which is obviously Jesus, but also what he has placed inside of you, inside of me. And it's all about discipleship. It's all about growing and learning together. So we want to encourage you to make sure that you have discussions with people. If you're watching this by yourself, you know, you can take this out of this context and go and have a coaching conversation with somebody. Or if you're watching this with other people, make sure that you enter into the, the discussion questions like with full um, energy, go at it, really be honest, be vulnerable and be challenged. And hopefully we can all move on in this journey together. Absolutely. And when we talk about coaching conversations, it, it isn't complicated. Don't think you've got to somehow go and get a degree in coaching or you've <laughs> got to become some kind of well-known figure. No, coaching is, is fairly simple. It's understanding, okay, where am I now? Where is it that I want to go to and how am I going to get there? It's those three questions in its basic form. And of course, discipleship is a journey. So there should be a place that you're trying to grow to, you know, in becoming more like Christ and the mission that he's called you to. And then, of course, it's understanding, OK, well, how am I going to get there? And hopefully today's conversation is going to give you more ideas, clues, insights into how you're going to get to the next level of where God is taking you so that he can use you even more effectively than he has already. And isn't that just what Jesus shows us that he did when he walked on the earth? That's what he did. He helped people see what he had for them, what he had in store for them in the future, what their whole life was about, why Jesus came to earth. And then he took them on that journey and so this kind of idea of coaching and taking people forward is not a new thing. It originated with God. Um, Jesus did exactly that, kind of helped his disciples and those who chose to be around him, help them to really discover this journey that he wanted to take them on to be all that they were created to be. And that journey is exciting and scary. I think if you are experiencing kind of those two sides of the same coin, scary and exciting, then you're probably there or thereabouts in terms of the mission that God's mm. called you to. If life is boring and uninteresting and underwhelming, then you're definitely not on point in terms of, of the mission. And the other extreme is if you are just stressed and you are overburdened and exhausted, then again, equally, you're probably off center in terms of the mission that God has for you. So, Hopefully, this message is again going to challenge you to get into that, that place where you feel you're in the slipstream of, of, of walking with God mm. and working with God. So, as we always say, you can win for God. And as Gareth just said, you know, if you're not kind of living in that, that 
place where things are exciting, scary exciting, um, you know, it's time to challenge ourselves because Absolutely. not for the sake of it, but say, God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to lead? Uh, where do you want to lead me? When I look at the disciples, the apostles, people around Jesus, they were always in that position. They led, they led such exciting lives. I mean, terrifying at times and awful at times for the sake of Jesus. But how incredible they were always on in that kind of zone of doing the unfamiliar, brand new things that was pushing them forward. And um, I know you're that kind of a person, aren't you? You like to always push yourself into a new thing. Like you'll just sign yourself up for something ridiculous just for the sake of it. I'm not wrong, am I? Uh, you're not wrong, no. And uh, <laughs> maybe we could talk about that for a moment, because that'll be the first question that we're going to ask you in a moment to discuss. But kind of when was there something uh, that you did? When was there a time when you did something that you never thought you'd do? You know, maybe people thought you were a bit daft or silly or maybe they thought you're brave because um, they've always wanted to do that. But you're the kind of person that will just sign yourself up for something crazy and then worry about it afterwards. Go on. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess there are the, the, the silly things, aren't there? So the the things, you know, I, I do silly challenges like parties, you know, fitting a pint glass into my mouth and chubby bunnies, you know, filling my mouth full of all kinds of things. It's what just attracted to me to you in the first place. Wow. You know, when there's a challenge, you've got to take it on, haven't you? You know, party tricks. Yeah. A friend said to me the other day, you know, see that lamppost there? Go and try and climb it and get to the top. And I did, but I fell off. I only uh, suffered light injuries. No, see, I knew the moment you started that, that was going to be a joke. <laughs> and a bad one at that. Well, <laughs> you've got to go for it. Again, this is the whole message. I'm exampling to you. See the opportunity and go for it, even if it ends in complete disaster. disaster. But yeah. yeah, no, there are uh, funny little things like that. But actually, you know, the thing, one of the things that comes to mind is, you know, back in 2012, we, I remember being on holiday and we had started to talk about the fact that we sensed God speaking to us about London. Mm. And, you know, and we'd, I'd always lived in a town and usually always lived in a town. So we'd never been city people. And in all honesty, there was no real desire to go to a city. Uh, it, I was very happy staying in a town. And, and so it, it was a bit of an out there kind of thought and i think that's one of the clues when kind of god speaks to you sometimes it is an out there mm. thought it's not something that you maybe naturally would go thinking about yeah. so i think that's a that's an insight right True. there and and so for the next two years you know we planned and trying to get everything in order so that we would be ready whenever that time came but we thought it was 10 years away which would have been about now which would have been about <laughs> now. And, and to be honest, even when we looked at that, that looked like still a huge, mm, a huge step. jump and a huge step and, and, and dare I say, an impossible step in the natural. And yet it was only two years later on, I think it was something like the 24th of August 2014, when it was just a case of, you know, on one day you had felt, no, we've got to do this now. And I was like, yeah, let, let's let's do this. So actually, so actually, this is your story in one right. sense, although <laughs> although uh, we were both fully uh, committed to it. And then within three weeks, three weeks, we had from making the decision to action it, we had moved house, children's schools. Uh, the, obviously, as part of the church, we didn't we hadn't left the church. It was part of the the, the development of the church. Mm -hmm. 
And like that is a huge move with, within three weeks, like to actually actioning it. So I think some, I'm sure, although there were lots of nice people who probably kept it to themselves, um, thought we were silly. Some people didn't keep it to themselves. They're <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> some people would say, oh, you're brave, which is code name for... I'd never do that. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or are you mad? And so I would say, yeah, that I, I look back on that and, you know, it's easy now once it's to look back and almost see it as natural. But mm. no, it was actually a huge step. But again, it was driven by a mission. It was driven by, without an insight, a nudge from God. And so I, I would say that that would be one of many examples that we could come up with where people may think, we were silly or brave um but actually you know it was absolutely stepping out on what god was saying so so that was definitely a courageous move because it affected more than just ourselves it was our family absolutely. our wider family our church etc i think that for the same for me in in kind of recent well i say recent years it was nine years ago um but still that's kind of a, a big deal but then you know looking back at now if someone said to me you did that in three weeks, you know, you kind of go, did I? Which proof proves that it's God working in and through us. When he calls us, you know, we just need to step out. And actually, that's going to fit in with the with the whole conversation today. But also, you do things like sign yourself up for marathons and half marathons and crazy things. And yeah, you're just a nutter, basically, when it comes you to... You only it, you live know. once. YOLO. Oh, please stop. Please. I can guarantee anyone under the kids, age of... YOLO. 25 is going no no stop <laughs> kids stop. Are cringing right now. nobody uses that anymore do they do they still use that anyway but it's true you do only live once and um it's important to take all those opportunities so the question we want to ask you and it can be you know poignant and serious as gareth brought up there about our move back in 2014 or you can have some fun with this we want to ask you in discussion Talk about a time that you did something you thought you would never do. And did others think you were silly or brave or, you know, were they cheering you on? And if there is nothing that you can particularly think of, maybe you need to set yourself a goal to do something that you thought you'd never do. There you go. So we're going to wrap in like a fun thing, but also a full on goal right in the first question Straight <laughs> to go for it. So just discuss that for a few minutes and then we will come back. Well, I knew I wasn't the only person who's crazy and we're not the only crazy couple out there. And I love to hear some of the stories. Definitely. Let us know in the comments if you're watching this and you can see the comments section underneath. Leave a note for us if you're watching this back because we want to hear your stories. We absolutely do. We want to hear about other crazy things that you have done. Maybe it'll encourage him to do something else crazy. Even more crazy. <laughs> but we want to kind of look at this whole conversation today about when God calls us out to do something that's out of our normal thinking, but it's about experiencing them more. And, you know, in our last previous conversation we talked about the uh, the miracle of the feeding of the 5000 which is actually more like 10 to 15000 because it didn't include their their the wives and the children huge incredible miracle you can go back and listen to that conversation but in Matthew chapter 14 it then just goes straight on to the next thing that we want to kind of discuss and look at today straight into another miracle that's Jesus goes from one miracle to another and um 
It's about where he walks on water and calls Peter out onto the water. Again, a very well-known account, mm. well-known story, even for people who are not Christians and not, um, you know, in church as such. They will, will may have heard of this story. And so we're going to read it together and then we're going to unpack it a little bit more. So let's go to chapter 14 of Matthew and verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, the crowd being the 5,000 that he just uh, fed with the loaves and the fish. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. I just want to pause there for a moment. Don't you think that's incredible that Jesus had done all that? He's fully man, yet he's fully God, 100% man, but 100% God. And he still took himself up onto the mountainside to pray. He prioritized time with the Father. Because mm-hmm. I think every time you give out of yourself, like in that moment, he, he'd given out, he'd been talking to the crowds, you know, kind of performed this miracle, was teaching the disciples a lesson. What was the first thing you think, oh, Jesus, go and have a lie down. Go and have some, have some me time, <laughs> you know. But what does he do? He takes himself up on a mountainside to go and pray, to talk to the Father, to realign himself with who he really is. I just love mm. that. There's a lesson for us in that. Absolutely. And just a little sneaky other little lesson in there. Yeah. Probably completely off topic, but as I read this, I, I'd, I'd read that this loads of times. Mm. So leaders are the last to leave. <laughs> Jesus was the last to leave. He dismissed the crowd. Like He sent the disciples on and he right. stayed until the end. There's something about that, isn't mm. there? And again, I'm not making this kind of like a religious ritual, like you have to be the last one to leave no. a building, but there's a sense of ownership, like this situation where they've been fed. Like he could have got carried away with the miracle of this is amazing, fantastic, and oh, somebody else will sort out the mess, you know, and obviously they carried, uh, got the basketfuls of, of yeah. bread. But no, he, he ended it well. How you, how you finish is so important, and yet it's not really the most exciting part for people. So just, a, I think, a leadership insight from Jesus there. He, he was the last to leave out of well, 15,000 people. And I, yeah, and I know this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but as you're saying that, I love it because you think of a celebrity. They come in when everyone's seated with their bodyguards or whatever, like we talked about wowing the crowds mm. and then they're the first to leave quick exit before they get mobbed. Jesus was always the first one there and that's the last one there because he is the first and the last. So actually that is a huge lesson. I love that, that you've brought that out. Everyone's going to be fighting. If you're watching this with people in a building <laughs> or in a house, you know, you're going to all be like waiting for <laughs> others to leave now. Next time you go around to someone's house for a meal, they'll be like, it's all right. There are gonna be, you go home. I'll stay. There's going to be food burning in the oven that was left there and all kinds of things. I'm going to see were. at my next circle session who's going to be the last to leave. I'm joking. <laughs> so actually a brilliant, brilliant point there. But let's pick it up, carrying on from verse 23. It says, later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them because obviously the disciples were in that boat walking on the lake. You know, we read that just very glibly, don't we? Oh, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. That's a massive deal. He walked on water to the disciples. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried and and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, 
walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hands and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I love that story so much when you see how um, Peter just was like, Jesus, call me out. You know, I just want to be where you are. You see the fear, but then the excitement. You see this incredible picture of the disciples and Jesus. And once again, they've just stepped out of a miracle and they've just experienced Jesus, but they still are questioning, is that you? Mm. You know, they were terrified. I mean, to be fair, if someone came walking on the water towards me, I'd be terrified because it's not a human natural thing to happen. It's a supernatural thing. It's not trickery. It's not magic. It was a, a pure kind of um, experience, an example of who Jesus Jesus was expressing and demonstrating who he is in that moment. And I think what, what we're going to do is kind of pull this apart a little bit and look at a few things of if we want to experience the more that Jesus has for us, if we want to have that encounter with Jesus that Peter had, that the disciples had. We've got to have a few things in mind. And the first thing I want to look at is in verse 28, where Peter has seen um, Jesus walking out on the water and he says, you know, Jesus says, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. You know, he reassures them. Immediately, Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water, call me out. And I think that, it was a huge moment of courage for Peter to say, call me out into the water. That took a bit of bravery. You know, we talked about situations w- which kind of are out of our comfort zone. That was a huge moment for Peter. He was so wrapped up in his awe and his love for Jesus. He was like, almost like a child, you mm. know, with their father going, call me out. I want to come and do what you're doing. Call, call me out to where you are. I want to come and experience that. So I think if we, this is the first thing we're going to say is experiencing the more requires courage. It requires courage because I don't know about you, but sometimes we say, oh, I I want more from you, God. I want what you've got for me, but um, just give me what I can cope with. You know, just give me something within my comfort zone. Give me something that's just little. You know, I'll just have a little thing. God wants to do kind of immeasurably more than we can ask, think or imagine. And if that's the case, it's going to push us out of the norm, out of our comfort zone. And it's going to require an immense amount of courage from you and from me. Absolutely right. If it, I think if it doesn't push us out of the norm and we can do it in our own strength, then I don't think that, that, that we're thinking big enough yeah. and we don't have a big enough vision. Yeah. You see, you have to remember what Jesus is demonstrating here is the original intention for mankind. You know, going right back to Genesis, God created man in his image, in the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and said, let them rule. Mm. Let them have dominion. In other words, to have rule and have dominion over what? Over creation. Jesus came as the final Adam, and he was demonstrating the capability and capacity that we were given in the first place. Mm. Jesus walking on water was having dominion over creation. Because, as you and I know, creation says... When you walk on water, you sink. Jesus was demonstrating that when we walk in the authority of who we are in Christ, 
then as we step out in that authority, that power to overrule even the natural elements kicks in. And when Peter saw Jesus and fixed his eyes on Jesus, it inspired an unreasonable request. And I think, again, when we are fixed on Jesus, so even back those years ago when we were looking at what we were going to do with London, it was an unreasonable request, Mm. but it came out of the fact that our eyes were fixed on Jesus and that inspired this thought, which then we acted on. And it shouldn't have been able to happen, but Mm, it did. But But that's what happens. The kingdom of God is being able to uh, overcome the natural facts that say you can't do this. And it enables you in his authority and power to do what you didn't think you could do. And so Peter was inspired because his eyes were fixed on Jesus. Mm, so I think good. that that if you today are saying, well, you know, what is my mission? What is what is my future? What is the 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 purpose that God has for me? Before you can get any answers to that, my question to you is this: Are your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus? Yeah, really good, and that's key because if they're fixed on even a thing or a purpose or a job or a dream or a relationship, it will never happen. It has to be on Jesus. Just before we move on to this, the kind of second thing and another question, something else I noticed out of just those few words in those verses, if you notice, Jesus didn't command Peter to come out. Peter asked to come out. And I think there's a principle in there that God does give us commands. There are some non-negotiables in in the Bible Mm -hmm. that we have to align ourselves to that it's just it's just the, the law, God's law. But he didn't command Peter in that moment, you must come out to me. In the same way, I think when we are looking for the more that God wants for us in our lives, when we're looking at purpose and, and how he's going to call us forward into everything he's got for us, God is not standing there going, Leanne, you must do X, Y, and Z. There are, like I said, there are rules and there are law, God's laws that we adhere to. But when it comes to purpose, it's more about us saying, God, what do you, you know, if you want me to do this, call me. And I think sometimes there's a desire like there was in Peter in that moment. I want to come out to, on, to you on the water. And if it's you, call me. Sometimes, like we're saying, when there's purpose, when there's more, we might have a desire and we're saying it's important for us to say, God, I want to do this. If it is right, call me. God, I, I have an, a desire to do this. If it's right, tell me to come. And in that moment, Jesus said to Peter, come. Because as we've talked about before, Maybe it wasn't on Jesus' agenda to call Peter to walk out in the water. He didn't go on to, I mean, he's God, so he could see into the future. What I mean is Jesus didn't go out onto that water thinking, you know, I'm going to mm. call them out on the water. It was in response to Peter's faith yep. that he said, well, come then. Yeah. And I think this is a message for all of us that sometimes we think the purposes of God and the more of God and the will of God is this thin kind of really scary tightrope line that one step out of the way we've missed it or if we don't do exactly this this thing and you know then actually there's no point. I think the will of God is huge. It's it's wide. It's Jesus expansive. is the narrow gate, but he is expansive and so the will and the purposes of God are expansive and wide. So actually don't be afraid of tripping off the tightrope or, you know, if we don't stick to this really narrow line. It's wide. It's God. It's whatever. It's God. Do you want me to do this? And if you do, call me. Then come. Or, God, I have a desire to go and work in schools with people. I'm not sure. Of it. Is this right? I guarantee Jesus will say, 
come. You know, I, I, I do I go and speak to my neighbor? I'm, I'm really nervous about creating a relationship with there. Jesus will say, well, come. When there's a desire that is in line with who Jesus is, he will always call us to come because out of that, there is something very special. And I just love that, that it wasn't Jesus commanding him to come. It was out of a, an expression of Peter's faith that he then said, well, come and join me. You're absolutely right. And, you know, just before we move on to the next point, I think it's important here that we understand that courage is not the absence of fear. Because mm. sometimes we're waiting to get the courage. Mm. You're waiting for the courage to come and waiting for the fear to leave. Well, if you do that, you'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. Courage is the presence of a person when fear is is also mm. present. Courage isn't the absence of fear. And in this moment, Jesus was present. And, yeah. and that was the key. That was the key. The fear was also present. But the courage that comes through fixing our eyes on Jesus will always trump and overpower that fear. Absolutely. And as we will go on to see, it's when we take our eyes off that's when the fear starts to get the upper hand. And that's what we're going to go into now. This kind of second thing is that actually, wouldn't it be a great story if Peter joined Jesus on the water? They kind of were singing praises, standing on the water for ages. But actually, I'm grateful that Peter sank. That sounds terrible. (laughs) But actually, it gives me hope because that's what we do every single day. All the time I fail Jesus, I take my eyes off the the goal, whatever, and I sink. And so it helps us see in that moment what we need to do in order to to not sink and to to keep um, experiencing this more that God's got for us. And so in verse 29, it says there, Jesus says, come. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So I was reading this and kind of the second thing that we want to bring out this is experiencing the, the, the more requires conviction. Experiencing the more requires conviction because I think Peter had that conviction initially of like, Jesus, call me out. But what happened was he, he took his eyes off, which was what we're talking about. He, he took his eyes off Jesus. And interestingly, it says there that when he saw the wind now, you can't see wind. Mm. I don't know. You can see the effects of wind, but you can't see the wind. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. So actually he was seeing something that wasn't there. He was just seeing the effects of it. And I think so often it's like that moment when we step out and we do something and, you know, we've heard Jesus say, come on then. And we've joined him in, in this kind of new uncharted territory, this new unprecedented thing, you know, that we're kind of stepping into. And suddenly we see, actually, hang on a minute, the effects of, you know, the stuff around us. It's not, it's, it's not a seen thing. It's, it's fear isn't a seen thing. Worry, anxiety is not a physical thing that you can see, but you can see the effects of it. And I think that's what he saw. He suddenly saw the waves and it went against human nature that he was doing what he was doing. And so often I've done that. I've looked at, well, hang on a minute, the bank balance isn't right, so I I need to kind of retreat. Or hang on a minute, people are saying this about me, I need to kind of go back. Or hang on a minute, I haven't sorted this out, I need to go back. And suddenly 
it goes on the the possible things that we keep our eyes on you know the human things rather the impossible the fact that Jesus has already gone ahead of us he's standing on the water he's proving that it's okay and we still go oh no and we sink so we need to carry conviction in our hearts in our spirit conviction is just simply something deeper than an opinion I can have an opinion of something a thought of something a conviction is far deeper it goes into my spirit into my soul where I say no I know that I know that I know that God is with me, that he is for me, he's not against me, he's called me. And those convictions are what helps me to keep my eyes fixed and focused. And if you're wondering, how do I develop conviction? Then conviction comes from what I'm convinced of. Mm. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Okay, and so if I want to develop conviction, then again, it's fixing my eyes on mm-hmm. Christ, who is the Word yeah. made flesh. And whenever I fix my mind and my heart on His Word, then it, it develops a conviction. It develops just this deep sense of, I just know that this is right. And very mm-hmm. often you can't say how you know, or even you know what is going to happen, You just know that you know that you know. And that's the difference between knowing in your heart and knowing in your mind. In other words, knowing in the the depths of your subconscious, because that's your spirit. And and the word of God feeds our spirit. So so the the word of God doesn't always give us a a rational explanation, Mm. you know, a 10 step, you do this and then this is going to happen. But it feeds your spirit and it develops this steely conviction and it comes again by fixing our eyes on the Word, who is Jesus. So as we go into this interaction question now, I think it's really important to, to focus in on mm. you know, what convictions do we need to hold onto in order to stay focused on Jesus, to stay true to the calling that he has for us to stay true to his voice. What convictions do we need to hold on to? Okay, because Peter, when he was fixed, he was convinced. When he was distracted, he was unconvinced. So what convictions do we need to hold on to? And when you're on mission, I think it's so, you become so aware that the word of God, you know, reading the Bible. And again, you know, as I just mentioned, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not just by just passing through my ears. It's like he allowing it to sink in. The word of God becomes something that you just, you have to do each day. It's not, it's, I think that's the difference between immaturity and maturity mm-hmm. in Christ in immaturity. Kind of the Bible becomes like a, well, I can take it or leave it. Because really, the, it's not mission critical. Yeah. But the more you grow in Christ, the more you realize, I need this daily bread. I need to feed on it. Because if not, I'm going to become unconvinced and that's going to lead to being unstable. And like we were saying in that last section, it's the difference between having an opinion and having mm-hmm. a conviction. Because your opinions change or can change 
10 times oh. a day based on the weather, <laughs> you know, um, based on what you've eaten for breakfast. Convictions don't change that easily. They can be developed over time, but they don't change. And I think that's what's really important. And, you know, as I was kind of preparing this and looking at this, I really felt to challenge people with um, those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I truly believe that when we obviously become disciples of Jesus it's the, the spirit of God comes to live inside of us. That's how we know who we are, the Bible talks about. And that's brilliant. But there's another level of being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, that enables us to have um, this, these convictions. That it, it, It's a deeper level. And, you know, it talks about for, for power to be witnesses, go and read that in Acts, that we suddenly have this boldness, this courage when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to unpack all that now, but I wanted to really kind of bring that in and challenge people with it today. You know, go and talk to your circle coach or somebody that you know that, that you trust to go and talk about that if that is something that you want, because I really believe that that is what develops true conviction and real courage, boldness, to go and do the things that God has created us to do. And so we're going to just move on to kind of the final part of this conversation where we look at, you know, the, the last part of this, this story, because it ends well, it ends good, as always, and there's lessons to be learned. But, you know, if you read in uh, kind of verse 31, I think it is, yes, when Peter's sinking and he's like, Lord, save me, you know, I took my eye off the ball. And it says immediately Jesus reached out his hands immediately. He didn't kind of go. Well, I'll just let you sink for a little bit just to let you think about what you've done, what you haven't done. <laughs> immediately, he's there to save us. And he, it's, it says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And these words, they are cutting like a knife. He says, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? You of little faith. If that was said to me, and it probably has been said to me by Jesus on many occasions, you have little faith. It's such a, a hard thing to take, isn't it? For Jesus to say, you have little faith. I don't want to be somebody of little faith. I want to be somebody of more faith. Mm. I want Jesus to commend me for my faith. I want Jesus to be happy and proud of the faith that I've developed. So I think in that moment, Jesus wasn't saying that in, a con in condemnation to make Peter feel bad. It was a question almost of like, where is your faith? Come on, I'm, I'm coaching you and discipling you to be people of more faith not little faith. You know that term, you can read it in the original Greek, is, is only ever mentioned once in the Bible. It's this part, it's like a term, I can't remember what it is, you of little faith. It literally puts two, two uh, together two words, men, uh, little or few, and faith. And he puts them together and creates this kind of nickname for them, you of little faith. And I just think that's important for us. And this last thing that we want to talk about is that experience the more requires character. And the reason why we've talked about it being character, because actually the Bible talks about, you know, taking, considering it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, because it develops perseverance. Perseverance develops uh, character and character hope and I think that's what we need to realize actually when we go through stuff that is really challenging us when we put ourselves out there into the kind of uh, out of our comfort zone and we face trials and temptations and all those all those kinds of things to persevere because it's developing character in it in us and that is what we need to develop in order to experience the more not personality but character I truly believe society hungers after personality 
God wants character. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And of course, that's why he made us in his image. Yeah. Because connected to the image is our identity. Connected to our identity is our ability to make an impact on this earth, mm. to rule, to have dominion, to an influence, and yeah. then to see the increase. Yeah. And I think everyone wants to see increase. You mm -hmm. know, we want to see increase in our communities. We want to see increase in the different sectors of our society where everyone is so aware about the lack. I mean, at this time, there's such a... There's such a, a conversation going on or many conversations about a lack, a lack of pay in this industry, a lack of, of you know, opportunities for these people. And there's so much uh, talk about lack and, and, and that's not necessarily un, unjustified. Like they're, they're identifying it. But we as the people of God are called to be a solution to a problem. We're to be people who, who have the answers of increase. Mm. But you see, we're only going to bring that, those answers of increase when we develop into who God's called us to be. And so it all comes back to character. I absolutely agree with you. And I think we don't grow unless there's a demand on us to grow. And what I love about Peter is that he put himself in a position where he put a demand upon yeah. Jesus by, you know, that, that request, tell me to come and walk on the water. He put a demand and, and, and Jesus invites that, ask and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. He's he's inviting. He's like saying, "Why your prayers are too small? You're thinking too small. Mm. You've got to start to get your eyes off off yourself." Because, in all honesty, I was saying this to Ruben just in the car this morning. You know, um, when our lives become about ourselves, we live small parochial mm. lives. When we get our eyes on others and what the the needs of others then it puts a demand on us and then we put that demand upon God. And, and that's what we need because that whole process, that mission process of bringing heaven to earth is what brings that transformation of our character. And, uh, you know, that is absolutely true. When you think the, the world, society places demand on us to develop our personality. Our personality is what people think about us. It's, it's people's opinions of us, you know, and screaming out from social media, from media itself, in society, at work, in school. You've got to develop this personality that people like. And it's people create fake personalities. They create what other people think that, that they what they think other people want them to be like. Your personality is just what other people think about you. Your character is really who you truly are. And that is something you cannot manufacture, that you cannot um, fake. Your true character will come through. And that is the part of you that I truly believe that God is really interested in. That is the part of us that is developed in true discipleship, in coaching. That is the part that Jesus is trying to get to for you to experience them more. Because when your character is developed, like the Bible talks, it brings hope and hope that will not disappoint us. It's developing the real part of us, the personality don't get me wrong, God has given us personality. It's, it's the bit that people see, and that's fantastic. And we've got to make sure that that's true. But that's only surface deep. Character is something that we have to go to work on. We have to develop, and we have to allow it to develop. And when you look at Peter and you look at the other disciples, you can see their character. When you read the Gospels, when you read the Acts uh, of the Apostles, you can see their character, and you can see how it really developed who they are, their experiences, their experience of the more of Jesus. And in the end, obviously, Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I will build 
my church, there's a, a play on words there. He was talking about himself, but Peter means rock, Petra. You know, Jesus was really seeing the character of Peter. And I believe it started as early as this, you know, when Peter was saying, call me out. And th- even when he denied Jesus, all those things, it's the development of character. And that is something that I really think that we all need to examine ourselves, stop looking at our personality, stop looking about how can I look better, how can I sound better, how can I appear better to my peers or those I work with or whatever. No, how can I become more like Jesus? Like you said, we're made in the image of God. How can I make my character to be more like him? That's how people are really attracted to us because it's not us anyway, it's God in us. And so we're going to ha- go into a third and final discussion question just before we finish. And we want to ask you this, what situation perhaps are you trying to escape where the Holy Spirit might be trying to develop your character? It's a tough question and we like to ask tough questions because they get us to think. And if you cannot really wrap this up in just a few moments, I encourage you to take this out of this conversation, really use this in your own evaluation time. But what situation right now are you trying to escape or get out of where the Holy Spirit might be trying to develop your character? It is difficult to answer that question in a short period of time, but hopefully it's got you started. And it's a question that we must continue to grapple with. God, what are you trying to do in me? Because ultimately, it's only when we allow him to work in us that then he can work through us. And, you know, Peter, out of the 12 disciples, arguably, was one of the most impactful mm. and influential. Yeah. And I believe that's because of his willingness to step out, to take risks, to put a demand upon Jesus because he wanted to be like Christ. He wanted to tap into the more yeah. that Christ had. And, and ultimately, God meets us where our appetite is. So I hope as a result of our conversation today, It's almost like your appetite has been awakened Mm. or increased and there's a real desire now to step out. And and I I firmly believe that as you do that, like Peter, there are going to be scary moments. We're, We're absolutely not hiding away that fact. But remember, yes, there will be the presence of fear, but there's a prince of peace Mm. that is in the situation and he's calling you to fix your eyes upon him so we're going to pray right now that as we take the insights the inspiration that we've received the word that we've received that we will fix our eyes on him block out anything that tries to distract and then start to step into the fullness of of who god's called us to be and what he's called us to do so come on let's pray father we thank you we thank you because you have packed us full of potential unlimited potential in order to bring more through our lives to reach the areas where there is hopelessness and lack on this earth. And so, Father, forgive us for the times when we have prayed small prayers and we've kept you small in our lives because we've not dared to to put a demand on you. We've not dared to, to ask, to seek, to knock, Maybe because we've been thinking about ourselves too much, which we all can do. And Father, we're sorry for that. But right now we want to get our eyes on the harvest. We want to get our eyes on people who need you. 
and we want to start to take some, some, some steps that are scary, exciting steps where we are developed in the process, where we are growing in conviction and where we are experiencing your presence. Mm. Thank you for the example of Peter. Thank you for the example of your grace and mercy that when we do take our eyes off you, you reach out for us. Yeah. And for those of us that are right now, just in that moment where we feel like we're sinking, we thank you that you, you hold out your arm for us mm. to take hold of that arm and to, to be raised back up and to go again. Thank you that, that we, can, we can fail and falter. But Father, you invite us to keep moving forwards. Yeah. So help us today, we pray. We thank you for the mission. We thank you for the call. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen. <laughs>